Love kids. You have kids, and they're that age forever in your heart, even though they grow up and they get married, and they, you know, they, uh, they turn into human beings, adults, but um, they're always little kids in my heart anyway. So, <sighs> Proverbs this week. Proverbs 10, 12. You know, I like to just share Proverbs. Today's the 10th, and we missed 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. Never mind, Eric kind of milked that for all it was worth. So, um, Proverbs ten twelve: Hate stirs up trouble, but love forgives all offenses. Now, last week I kind of gave you a peek ahead about Proverbs because I said, you know, next week would be the tenth, and one of my favorite Proverbs. We bounce this around our house. We kind of uh, tongue in cheek. We quote ten thirteen, which says, "If you look at it through a certain viewpoint, it really says that you should hit stupid people with a stick." Remember, I said that last week. <laughs> So let's put that one up there and see what it actually says so we can clarify that. Wisdom is found on the lips of him who has understanding, but a rod is for the back of him who is devoid of understanding. And um, so not meaning to uh, in any way demean the word of the Lord. This is actually kind of a sad proverb because it says that some people can only learn through pain. Wow. Uh, I think that's probably been true of me sometimes. And maybe wisdom, maybe one good definition for wisdom is the... um, Ability to move away from that proverb into other ways of learning. I just want to remind you about last week. We talked about um, how, can you t- how can you hear the prophetic voice of the Lord. And we talked about some definitions of prophecy. And by way of review, I just want to give you one scripture. It was Proverbs, or, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 14. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. And we define those three words by their, um, by their root words. Edification is doma. We get domicile. It means the roof or to cover. To build up is what it means. Exhortation, it comes from the word paraklesis. Now, there's a reason I'm giving you these Greek words. It comes from the word paraklesis, which means to call near or advise. And then comfort, paramathia, which means to encourage, console, and comfort. Just remember those funny words I said to you, because they might show up again later. Today, we're going to be in Philippians 2, which was the memory verse. I was so hoping one of the kids would do it, because then you would have thought that we had it all planned and coordinated. But the truth is, it was random chance. But the, the, the memory verse that they've been working on is right in the middle of where we're going to be today. So Philippians 2, 1 through 5. And I would like to say it was random chance. It wasn't random chance. I'd like to say we planned it. It wasn't that we planned it. I believe that the Lord is sovereign. And when the Lord speaks to people, when his, his spirit starts talking to people, he's consistent in what he says to people. And um, independent, independent of what the Lord was saying to me in the study, the Lord was saying something to our children's leaders and was training the kids in these scriptures, this very passage. So I'm excited to see what's going to come out. I, I want to, is it okay with you that we take time during our services to uh, let the kids grow by sharing scriptures. We can do that occasionally, right? You'll be good with that. That's a good thing for us to do. Okay, if you found it, Philippians 2, 1 through 5. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So Lord, as we enter into just a few moments here to consider your word and to be available to your spirit, we ask for the supernatural and profound power of your word to rest upon our souls, God. Let no heart come into this room or within earshot 
be unchanged by the supernatural power of your word. So be it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today's message could have lots of titles. The one that I want to call it is The Real Housewives of Philippi. And you're going to find out why. I have no idea what that means. I've heard there's a TV show somewhere out there. Um, You know, I see the ads. I haven't watched the show, but I see the ads. And the ads themselves make me not want to watch the show. And I don't know what it is about the show. Um, But it's like so many other shows. We we have um, all kinds of TV shows in America. There's American Idol where we find these people that we're supposed to really be rooting for and we want to emulate, and CSI, and Friends, you know, Joey and Chandler and Ross, and none of you remember that show, but I remember that show. Um, And um, Survivor and ER. You know, Survivor is kind of a funny show. I mean, you always want to root for the person who stands with character, and they never win. They basically have taught us over 19 or 20 uh, seasons, I don't know how many it is, it's a lot, They've taught us that if you want to win the million dollars, you have to, you have to connive and lie and betray. It's so, it's so unfortunate. But it's interesting to watch because the relationships that are going on. It's interesting to see the dynamics of the relationships. I'm not pushing the show, by the way. Even Monday Night Football. Monday Night Football, we watch that, and it's this big, huge measure of relationship. It is measuring us testing each other. It's the interaction of relationships. Monday Night Football and... PGA golf and bowling, all these programs we see on TV, there's a measurement of relationships going on. Even the things, uh, the, real, the realistic or what they call the real life shows, um, Top Chef. <laughs> Top Chef. It's not so much about cooking. Monty Python is not so much about the jokes. It's all about the inner reaction between the people and the relationships. Uh, I couldn't put up a list of great TV shows without including the show of shows, Star Trek. And anyone here who isn't a, isn't a Trekkie today, you just stick around for long enough and we'll turn you into a Trekkie eventually. All of these are about relationship. Every program on TV, the news, the commercials, you think there's something there they're trying to sell you. But what they're doing is they're playing on the topic of relationships. Every single one of them. In fact, if you go on Friday nights to watch high school football, it's about relationship. It's about people Testing their relationship against other people. Figuring out how they're going to work. Figuring out what relationship you have to pose to have your way in the relationship. TV, it's full of it. On vacation you go and you you lay down in the warm sand and, and you pull out a book about relationship. Or maybe you go to the theater to see Avatar in 3D. So you can see how some guy can drive another thing and determine how the good guys can hold out against the bad guys, the big bad organization that wants to take over and dominate, but instead it's relationship and unity that wins out. We want to we see relationship work right. So we watch any show and every show on TV. Relationship, relationship. It's, it's so fascinating. Why? Why is this predisposition in us so, it's It's universal. What is it about it that made it universal? I believe that we were hardwired by God. It's hardwired into us. God engineered into all humans the desire to explore and understand relationships. Here's a quote from uh, Reader's Digest. A good friend may be just what the doctor ordered. Scientific studies have shown that people with friends are more likely to survive a life-threatening illness. They'll have a stronger immune system, better mental health, and live longer than people without friends. I'm going to read that again. 
People with friends are more likely to survive a life-threatening illness, have stronger immune systems, better mental health, and live longer. You want to live a longer life? Make friends with people. What a wonderful solution to the problems. So here we are in our relationships, and we start asking ourselves, I don't know what you do when you sit down and you start developing a relationship with friends or at work. You've got a colleague at work or a new boss or some relationship. What kind of things go through your mind and through your heart? We start asking ourselves all these questions. What's, what's this going to benefit me? Where is it going to take me? What shall I do to, to position myself to my best advantage? We start going through these mental gymnastics, trying to posture ourselves. How can I get my way? How can I get my way? Boy, it sounds really selfish, but right down there in the middle, that's where we live. Right down there in the middle, that's where we live. I don't think I want to be the sole survivor if what I have to do is lie, cheat, steal, or we'll see. What are those phrases? <laughs> Overcome, outwit, outplay. I don't know if the, their definition of relationship is what I want to have anything to do with. <coughs> Philippians 2, 1 through 5 again. We look at that again. I'm going to read it to you, but I'm going to stick a couple other words in there that uh, are the literal translations. So I'm not changing the scripture. It's going to help you see what I'm reading. So read along with me. Therefore, if there is any paraclesis, remember that word? Paraclesis, exhortation. In Christ, if any paramathion, comfort of love, if any fellowship, in this case it's koinonia, these, this is almost word for word the same description we went over last week as we studied what, how God defined what prophecy would be when his inspired, anointed word would come upon people. Remember we said it did three things. It builds up, comforts, and it edifies. Two of those three are listed right here. What an amazing thing. Um, what an amazing thing to see that Paul's talking here about what we think is just talking about relationship, but he's using the exact same phrases, the exact same uh, terminology to describe how the Lord um, builds people up by the power of speaking through the Spirit. If any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. This, this, this is Paul's appeal. His joy doesn't come from having things his way. His joy doesn't come from the best Thanksgiving dinner. His joy doesn't come from having the newest car or the best dress or the nicest curb appeal on his house. He's saying, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. Having unity. There, what is it about unity? There it is. There's some sort of culmination relationally for us. Have you ever thought about how hard it is to get to unity? How hard it is to get people to agree on anything? I mean, when Lisa and I decide to um, not have dinner at home, the, the, <laughs> the questions begin, well, where will we go? And then if you can sort that out, where you'll go and have your dinner, then what you're going to order, you have to say, well, what are you going to have? Well, I don't know. What are you going to have? Well, if I have what you have, then I have to look at what you're eating, and I wish I'd have had that, and I had something else instead. <laughs> and there is the first law of marriage um, restauranting, and that is that whatever is on your plate is your wife's. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And um, just the idea of making any decisions by a committee are pretty impossible. You've probably heard the story before that a camel is a horse design, designed by a committee? <laughs> what a sad-looking animal. I mean, leftover necks and, you know, a lot of water there, I guess. Here's another little commentary about committee that I happened to see as I was reading. Hmm. 
not really part of the message today, but um, I couldn't pass that up. So let's just check in on the real housewives of Philippi and uh, flip over. If you're in Philippians 2, go a couple of chapters to the right to Philippians 4. And um, let's take a peek. Today's message is going to be a little bit shorter because we're going to have communion together as a group. And um, um, so let's, let's hop over there and see what the, what the gals in Philippi did to get their names written in the scriptures. You've got to do something to get your name written in the scripture. Pretty interesting story. So Philippians 4, um, starting in verse 1. Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my crown and joy, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved, I implore Iodia and implore Sintuki. That's how you pronounce it. It doesn't look like it. I, I, see, I feel so silly saying it correctly. Suntuki. doesn't look like it should say Suntuki, but that's what it is. <laughs> I implore Iodia and implore Sintuki to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Here are two Christian women. In a church, Paul's not in town. This is a letter he's written to the church. He's out of town. He sends a letter to the church. And these two ladies make the letter. Imagine that. They're fighting. There is some sort of clash going on in the church. And the level of the clash has risen to such a a degree that Paul has heard of it out of town. The rumor has blown out of that city into wherever Paul happens to be when he's writing this letter. It's that big a deal. I mean, now, let's, first let me say this. I'm not preaching this topic because there's division or a lack of unity present here at Crossroads. In fact, it's just the opposite. I feel like since, since the moment we've ever first visited here, we experienced so much love. This, the, the gift of this congregation is a welcome, loving heart. Do you realize what a gift you are to people? You, you may not know that. Maybe you do. But you need to keep doing what you're doing because it's wonderful. It really is good. And, and, and so there's no motive behind why I'm preaching this other than I believe the Lord is on this topic. And that I think the Lord wants us to train anyone who comes here to become just like you are, loving on people. However, so here's the situation in Philippi. And there is a squabble going on in the church between two gals. And it's such a big deal. Paul has not only heard, out of, heard it out of town, they get their names in the book. I mean, how cool is it to have your name in this book? I mean, that's... Well, I suppose it's a pretty cool deal. Um, I don't know if I want it quite like that, though. And so here are these two ladies, and they got their name in, in the Bible. Pretty amazing. But what's amazing, though, is this fight has grown to the place where it's, why hasn't it gotten fixed? What is, what is going on that it continues? Out of curiosity, because this is my temperament, my nature. I'm a guy that likes to pick up logs and look underneath them and sniff around. I'm trying to figure out, okay, what's the deal here with these two gals? So I thought I'd find out if there was anything hidden in their names. Now, when I say hidden in their names, it sounds intentional. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but I decided I would look and see. So I'm going to tell you what I found out their names literally mean. Now, you can tell me later whether you decide that this was coincidental or if this might be another thing hidden in the Word of God where you can see God has an interesting sense of humor and there's something poignant about it. Okay, so um, Iodia. It literally means fine traveling. Fine traveling. But, but when you look at the root words, it kind of clarifies that a little bit. It means help on the road or prosperous journey. Iodia. Okay, so let's just say that what it really... In, in contemporary terms terms, let's just say that her name means have a nice trip, okay? Her name is have a nice trip. Will you 
accept that. That's close enough paraphrase. Without me changing scripture, something about fine journey or, or fine, uh, fine, fine traveling. Okay. Suntuke. Her name means to chance together or another way would m- means accident. Okay. Let me try that again. Fine traveler is having a fight with getting in an accident. Okay? You get that? Here are two women fighting in the church, and their names are have a nice trip and get in an accident. They're the, somehow, I think there's something here. I think there's something about two people who are the opposites, and they just can't get along. They can't do this. They do this instead. And every time they do this, they bounce, bounce, bounce. And now it's inflamed and it's in the church and it's gotten, word's gotten out of town. And Paul's heard about it and he's writing a letter and he's saying, you got to fix this. You ladies, I implore you, get this together. Not only that, he says, to the true companion. Um, if this had been capitalized, I could have accepted that maybe this was a reference to the Holy Spirit, but it's not. This is a reference to true companions. It's true colleagues to other believers in the body. Paul is charging here the other members of the body of Christ to help bring unity when they see it around them, when they see broken unity around them. It's the responsibility of every Christian when you see it around you to do something about it, something positive, okay? So when have a nice trip crashes into accident, though, conflict and disunity erupts, you know, what, what is it? The people that attract us that we get attracted to. It's like this opposite attracts thing. It attracts us at the same time that it frustrates us. You know, you can't have it, but it frustrates you, but you got to have it kind of a deal. Or, you know, you find it interesting. You find it interesting. It intellectually stimulates you. You want to explore it some more, but at the same moment, it's just really aggravating. Why don't they just get their act together? Because I could show them how. I mean, physically, mentally, Men are different than women. So much has been written and talked about on that topic. I don't have to make that case. There's just, it's all about, marriage is all about figuring your mate out over a lifetime. And then the figuring out, so much happens to us. It's that constant exposure. You're constantly around difference in that God-assigned relationship that the Lord has put you in. Not just marriage, but your friends, your colleagues, the one that the Lord has put you um, submitted to in, in your place of employment or someplace you're, you, you have authority upon you or maybe you're the authority, the Lord puts these relationships in your life. Are they all random? Are they all just happenstance? I don't know. I don't know. So if all of these relationships we're in were, are, are there by purpose, what is the Lord up to? What is it he's wanting to accomplish there by this constant, unrelenting, exposure to something that's different than you. The question is this. Are you capable of nudging your heart into the green zone, into the area, to the arena, where you feel available and willing to find out what the Lord was wanting to do in your heart through that relationship? I'm going to call that the green zone because somewhere, somewhere are the people that the Lord has trying to use to shape you. Somewhere there in your life. Can you figure out who they are? I mean, scripturally, we can make a clear case. Certain relationships are definitely put there by the Lord to shape us. Other ones, I don't know. They may not be quite so obvious. 
Can you figure out who they are? Can you figure out why it is that God chose those specific people? I've had, um, I've had uh, a lot of opportunities to be around a lot of really godly people because in the past couple of decades, I've been a member of a pastoral team in a large church, 50, 100 staff members. <laughs> it's a lot of people. And when a church can, gets that big and there are that many staff members, you have a lot of people who have really laid their lives into ministry and you see some people who are really disciples of the Lord and trying to grow. So I've had a, a, a lot of opportunity to spend a lot of time with some really godly people. And I gotta tell you something. A lot of those godly people drove me crazy. I still have relationships with a lot of them. In fact, I won't name names, but there's one person that I think about, about right now who, whose way of thinking is so radically different than the way I think. She drives me crazy. Okay, she drives me crazy. But she's been a colleague, a partner. This is not my wife I'm talking about, okay? <laughs> she drives me crazy too. <laughs> yeah. I love you, honey. <laughs> but this other person um, drives me crazy because I think I know what to do. I think I've got good judgment, so I'm kind of set on my path, and I'm going somewhere, and, and it will definitely get some things accomplished. And she has this way of saying, uh, excuse me, but do you mind if I give you some pushback? Sometimes she's not quite so polite, and in, in, in it comes. And what she does is she takes my way of thinking which is connected to my heart, and stretches the living daylight out of it. Now, I used to just want to, I just wanted just, just to kind of suppress it. I, I was this person's boss. I didn't have to listen to her. And there were times I didn't, and I should have. <laughs> and there were times that I did, and I needed to, but I didn't need to accept everything that was being said to me but I learned to really, really value this person. I love this person. She's, she's a wonderful colleague. I, you'll, don't take this wrong, but I'm a way better leader for having her in my life. I'm way more godly for having her in my life. I, I, this is not about me. The point is that this contrary different thinking, different generation person who I chose to let speak into my life, decided to do it, decided to do it in ways that I didn't want her to with tones and challenges and so forth that are not my generation's way. My generation grew up, you know, you watch John Wayne movies and there's your model lead like that. And, um, you know, Buck up against John Wayne and pay the price, okay? Let's just admit that right now. That is not today's generation. The problem is this, for our generation. They don't mean anything negative by it. They, they, they mean to push in and probe in, and they do that. The point is that, that their approach may be different, but, but the content behind there is good and righteous. And they want to bring unity. They want to bring something of new and freshness to us. The question is, could Terry position his heart into the green zone where he'd get past the little um, way he would want to react to the approach and get down to the underlying content, the real richness of that relationship. Why did God pick someone like that for me? Here's the clue. 
If you have a strong personality, let's put it in another blunter way. If you have a strong will, the Lord won't use cotton balls to shape your heart. (laughs) Now, if you have a really tender heart, the Lord gets to do it with whispers, which is the preferred method, by the way. It's the much preferred method. Why those people? Because the Lord knew my temperament. They were specifically chosen for Terry. You already know who the Lord is using in your life. You know whether you've held them out here or whether you've held them right here. Will you choose to nudge your heart into the green zone? What specifically is it about them? You know, the Lord uses all these different people, your mate, your children, friends, colleagues, your enemies, your overseers, those you oversee. He uses them all. And uh, his hope all along the way is to get your heart to be just a little bit more accepting, a little bit more patient, a little bit more loving, a little bit more like he is in all the ways that he is, and we aren't quite yet. So here's back to our scripture. Paul asks Clement and the other Christians to help them find their way back. Clement's name, you didn't think I was going to let him off the hook, his name means mercy. It seems perfect to me. So here's some theological algebra, okay, right? You get algebra. Um, when have a nice trip crashes into accident, the Lord calls you to bring mercy to help find unity. <laughs> I'm sure I could come up with an equation there, but I would have lost, I don't know, I would have been muddled in that. So let's talk about the building of the relationships and then um, get into uh, communion. First, the goal of conflict resolution of a right, re- right relationship is to seek unity, not compromise. You're going to get to your solution. You will resolve your, 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 your plans. But the goal of how you get there is, needs to include unity, not compromise. Unity. There's a huge difference. And the essential ingredient in that unity is mercy. Because if you treat people the way your heart initially re- reacts to not liking what you're hearing, it won't be mercy. Mercy is an in- is essential ingredient. I'm going to cull that from that passage we just read. I'm not trying to make doctrine out of it, mind you. I'm just saying it just happens to be that here's broken unity and God calls for mercy. Could just be the Lord. Does that sound condescending? I don't mean for it to be. I, this is how I have to hear, okay? So you could smile at me now. and that'd be, that's, Thank you. I know where to look for the smiles, by the way, because some of you are smilers, Okay? We're all smilers. Come on, admit it. Okay. <laughs> Essential ingredient is mercy. And here's the third po- point. You and I are called to be agents of unity, vessels of mercy. If you stand by and watch broken unity, that's a mistake. It's just a mistake. It's a missed opportunity. It's a missed calling. You are the salt and the light of the earth. And a lot of the people that you spend Monday through Saturday with and Sunday afternoons with and Sunday mornings with need you. They need you to be what it is you carry with you. Loving mercy and unity. Let nothing be done, back to finish that scripture, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only 
for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Can I have the, the band come on back and uh, we're going to prepare ourselves for communion. Um, I, I want to um, remark about one line that we read in Philippians 4. There was a mention of another book there. Remember we talked about the girls getting their names in, the, in this book, but there's another book mentioned there, the book of life. It's a literal book. And... Um, Stay with me here now, because I know there's a lot going on behind me, okay? <laughs> but stay with me here. That other book is really, really important. There is a literal book called the Book of Life. And when we um, start thinking about things like relationship, and we start thinking about even communion, which we're going to receive in a minute or two, that Book of Life becomes central and important. It becomes, it becomes it's, it's a place recorded with the names of all of those who will spend eternity in heaven with God. No one will be in eternity whose name is not written in the book. And no name will be written in the book unless the relationship with God is right. Okay, hold up, guys, for just a minute, okay? And gals, I don't know if we have any gals for serving with us or not. Didn't mean anything gender-wise there. Thank you. Um... You know, it's the relationship that determines our eternity. It is. Relationship. Relationship, the topic of the meeting, topic of our chat today is about unity. It's, it relation, that relationship determines everything about eternity. Everything. It's not whether you go to church and it's not the stuff we know that we can try to do to be. The question one day will be, what was your relationship with my son, Jesus Christ? That's the question of relationship. Communion is um, only one of, there are only three, in this entire scripture, there are only three ordinances that God says, do this act, do this religious act. There's only three of them. Marriage, the ordinance of marriage, which is the combining of a man and a woman, which happens to be representative of the relationship between Christ and his bride, the church. That's one of the three. Second one is baptism. Baptism is the identifying with Jesus of dying in the waters of the imperfect human condition, but being resurrected in perfection, in unity because of Jesus Christ. And the third one is communion. What does communion have to do? Communion is where we don't pretend to be cannibals. It sounds like it to the world. You say, oh, we're going to eat the body of Christ and drink the blood of Christ. It sounds cannibalistic, but that's not what communion is. Communion is us identifying again with the supernatural, eternity-saving, life-healing power of our Christ. All three of the only ordinances in the Word of God have to do with our relationship with Jesus. I'm going to give, uh, we're going to receive communion in just a minute, but before we do, I would like to pose the question, why would anybody want to go through the motions of receiving communion but not have that relationship? Would you close your eyes? I'd like to give a place of privacy. Before I give opportunity for people to open their hearts to the Lord, I just want to say, Christians, on the topic of unity, I think the Lord's speaking to people today about being a little bit more of an agent of mercy 
a little bit more an agent of unity. I'm not going to ask for raised hands, but just now in the quietness of this moment, if you want to say that to the Lord, just quietly within your heart, just say, Lord, I'm a candidate for this. I really do want to position my heart more into the green zone. I want to be in the place where you will help shape me so that I can be an agent of mercy and unity. Lord, do the miraculous thing. Change hearts. Thing that no human flesh can accomplish. Do it right now, we pray in Jesus' name. And Lord, now as we also, God, come to this moment of communion, I just open this place to the moving of your spirit. If you've never opened your heart to the Lord before while we're praying and you want to do that, I just encourage you right now to say yes to Jesus. Anybody want to open your heart to the Lord? Just let me agree with you. Look at me and give me a little hand wave or something. Do you want to open your heart to the Lord? Okay. Okay. So Lord, we thank you, God, for your majestic hand upon us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you would come up and serve, and then I'm going to lead us a song, and then I'll... Thank you.